Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, the official film crew college football podcast. Special Thursday episode uh, hosted by Tyler, obviously, and then joined today by Charlie, who we haven't had on in a while. What's going on, bud? Oh, you know, not much. Had to uh, had to come back on for a special edition. Oh, absolutely. Had a lot of big stuff happen this week, so it's. Uh, I mean, we. I feel like we just kind of get get right into it. Um, yeah. So Michigan's cheating. Yes. They are. Uh, they are. Might be pretty fucked here in the NCAA. They certainly could be. Yes. So, in case you guys haven't been following along, uh, University of Michigan has a low-level staffer who has been accused with some pretty credible evidence of buying tickets for people to go to other uh, upcoming opponents' games and potential opponents' games and scouting them by videoing their sidelines to get their hand signals, uh, which is a pretty big violation of NCAA rules. Uh, (laughs) Opponent scouting ahead of time is banned outright and... Uh, or in-person advanced scouting is banned right? And using electronics to record that is another big no-no. And it's just kind of crazy because allegedly this all started right around the time where they started getting good. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting one where, yeah, it does seem like their, their rise over the past couple of years uh, times up interestingly with uh, the cheating scandal. Yeah, it really does. And I think that's just kind of the crazy thing is that like I still think they're a really good football team. That's the yeah. that's the thing. Like Yeah. It's one of those like how much did it really help? But in hearing what some of these coaches have been saying when they've been asked about it, it sounds like they feel like it's a huge advantage that Michigan's gotten. Yeah, and I I don't know, like I, I tr- I've I've been trying to like balance my anti Michigan uh bias with my anti-NCAA bias and, and all oh, I know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it seems like there are some concrete things that they have done which are, by the book, illegal. Like, they just yeah. are. And there's not really any way around that. The rest of it is a whole big conversation about is it, how much does it impact? What specifically does it impact? And we can talk about all that. But I think it is pretty clear, at least from the people who would seem to know, that they have violated rules. Yeah, and I think the crazy thing is just how I want to say bra- I don't. I don't think brazen is the right word. Yeah, because it honestly just feels like they didn't think they would get caught. Like it just seems incompetent more than brave. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't know if it's a, a matter of them not knowing what this guy's deal fully was, which I don't know. He seems pretty uh, uh, out there on the fringes of, of sanity. You ask me, he's got a, an interesting way of looking at, at Michigan football in his life. Well, um, writing a 600 page just... manifesto isn't normal. <laughs> the Michigan, the Michigan man, Efesto. Yeah. I don't know how, uh, uh, how that's going to turn out for him, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, were they thinking this guy was just really trying to help and they were using him for what he's worth and they didn't have a good grasp on how extreme his methods were or were they, you know, enabling it, knew exactly what he was and were trying to get it all out of him. I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to be hard to figure out. Yeah, I agree. And without really sounding too conspiracy theory, you have seen some message board posts from like back in December 
from other yeah. fan bases where they say that like they have a buddy who's going to the game to scout for Michigan. Right. Yeah. And like the the guy told them to not speak about this to like Jim Hardball, the head coach. And yeah. I mean that makes it seem like at the very least Stallions knew about it. Knew yeah. that he wasn't supposed to be doing that. You know what I mean? And then you see pictures and video of him on the sidelines standing right next to coordinators and if you zoom in on the laminated sheets that Stallions is holding, it looks a lot like hand signals. Yeah, and and well, and that's and that's the part that I don't know if you read the athletic article that came out today. That's like, it's not it's not uncommon. Like it's not uncommon. It's not an uncommon thing for this guy to be there doing this. What's yeah. uncommon is and 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 actually was you know pointing out in this article that like, if you look at most sidelines, they've got something. They got that. They have that operation. They have that yeah. operation where they have a guy who at least is is trying to figure out in real time what's going on on the other sideline. Which fair, like that's right, what you're yeah, supposed no. to do. That's totally yeah, well, what you're supposed to do. But like live live scouting of hand signals is absolutely legal and should be. Right. Like, it's just once you've got this specific guy who we know is doing these things above and beyond what even the people who do this for a living think is fair. And he's literally standing next to Harbaugh on the sidelines. Like it's just it's it's tough to get around. Yeah, and typically when stuff like this happens, like you'll have coaches who will say like they, they'll be tepid in their condemnation yeah. because it's kind of an unspoken thing. Like you know everybody everybody does a little bit of cheat. You know yeah. If you, ain't, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Like that that's been you know tales all the time as people trying to cheat and get away with it. Yeah. Like and we are very much uh, opponents of what the NCAA does in terms of some of their regulations. And yep. I think that does kind of bring to question, like, should this be illegal? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm honestly not sold that it should be. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think it depends on like, like with everything, do some teams have in, inherent advantages in being able to do that versus other teams? Like, yeah, yeah sure. If you have, if right, if you have your Michigan's and states, Ohio you know, State's, Georgia's, Bama's, Notre Dame's, these teams, they all have basically the same capability. If they want to do this, they can. And yeah. will that even out amongst them? Sure. But do you then put even one? Do they care enough to do it against your Rutgers and Illinois? At, or you know, so they're not going to focus on that at all. Yeah, or, it is funny because the, all the initial reporting was that he bought tickets to 11 Big Ten opponents games, right. which leaves room for two schools somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, Iowa. Yeah. I think I mean, Iowa's got it. I can't <laughs> imagine. Does, does Brian Ferentz know what hand signals are? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Has he ever changed to play at the line of scrimmage? I mean, it's got to be—it's got to be like a basketball sideline where they just hold up one of five fingers, or they just some combination of five fingers, and that's their playbook. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, I, it, it's tough too because personally, I think that it should helmet comps should be legal. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why that's against the rules. There have been arguments in the past about it being a financial impediment for some programs, and yep. in this day and age, I don't really know how much I buy that. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's true. But I, I actually, um, 
on his press conference this week, because I now listen to those because I'm a lunatic, uh, James Franklin, actually, they, they asked him about it. They were about the helmet comps. And he was like, he like went above and beyond in his answer and was like, yes, like helmet comps, great. You talk to the quarterback. But like at the same time, how's the quarterback going to get that in the in the play clock to the receivers, to the tight ends, to the running backs and to the linemen? Like, that's a big ask. So, like, still, he he probably, being the quarterback, still probably has to make hand signals to those guys and tell them what's going on. And so does your operation then just, like, sure, is it harder? But, like, if you really want to figure it out, you just switch from watching the sideline to watching whatever the quarterback does. Right, but the thing is that you can find that on game tape. Like, you can do that on on a broadcast copy, which is, again, very legal. Yep. But... Like, I mean, totally we've, seen right. all t- we've seen all 22 angles, and it's not easy to see those signs. No, you can't. Uh, from the all I mean, 22. You, you can't. You really yeah. can't. It's, 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 you know, you get what you get from in-game, and, you know, you hope that over the course of a couple of years you can figure it out. You get what you see on TV. And Speaking, oh, speaking of all 22, did you see on, on Twitter there was someone who I'm assuming is a Michigan fan because they were being defensive of all this say that uh, all 22 was called all 22 because it shows 22 angles of the field? <laughs> that, was a, that was a real heads up play by that guy, but man, that just cracked me up that he said that. Michigan men. Michigan. Oh, message board geniuses. They're a different, they're but, a different um, breed. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is that it is against NCAA rules to do what they've been doing. And Michigan is already serving, they have already served a punishment for violating NCAA rules this season. Rules that were not as serious, they were more serious than what people had kind of been led to believe initially when all the stuff came. Myself included. Like, I definitely bought fully into the cheating stuff. And it turns out they were violating regulations around COVID visits, which yes. is pretty significantly more serious than that. Yeah. Um, and it's maybe they were just under more scrutiny because of it, but I just feel like they just kind of got caught because if they weren't really running a tight ship. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you go and you are, uh, you know, saying things like what was Harbaugh's quote, like we're going to be the gold standard of rule following after these violations. Like you're kind of inviting it. Like you're kind of inviting one other schools to not back you up and, you know, inviting two the NCAA and the big 10 to like say, Oh yeah. Like prove it. Yeah. We're going to look (laughs) like, we're going to look. And if like, you know, something only innocent people say, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously more facts need to come out. Facts in general need to come out. Like, as of right now, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence, which is not insignificant, but, you know, it's not the same thing as, you know, a smoking gun. And I honestly don't know what kind of smoking gun there's going to end up being in this, because... Exactly. You would think that they were not so incompetent that they would, you know, have text message communication saved and, you know, direct coordination between this guy and, like, coordinators or even Harbaugh. Like, you would hope that they weren't that stupid. Yeah. I do, though. It And, like, again, I feel, like, so weird being, like, holding this view. Like, Michigan is a really good, like, really good football team. Yeah, aside. they're still very like, they're, talented. Like, they're, like, you can, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how in, like, what they had on Ohio State. But, like, it's tough for me to think that any knowledge of signs leads to that beatdown. Yeah, I mean, like, on offense, too, it's especially, tough to like, think. 
I mean, and, uh, as much as as much shit as people want to give Dion for this this season, and you know, rightfully so to a degree, he made a really good point. Like, you can have the game plan mailed to you, but you still got to execute. So, we got we got to keep an eye on what's going on there because this does seem like it's going to be a very significant investigation. And I think there was a Washington Post article that I have not had a chance to read yet. Um, we'll be very curious to see that, but I just just a. Uh, just a perfect storm of negative for the state of Michigan in terms of their football program this season. Yeah, tough. What I'm a shame. Sure yeah, <laughs> really unfortunate for those two uh, upstanding athletic departments. <laughs> so I, I think that's all we got on Michigan. Well, I guess I do have – what do you think, if all this stuff is proven to be true and like that Harbaugh did know and everything like that, what would the punishment be or what do you think it should be? Yeah, it's tough because, like, if it's true, then this is kind of an unprecedented situation. It feels like, at least in like the modern era of college football, it's hard. It's hard because are you are you gonna do like you can do a couple routes, which is like you suspend coordinators and basically Harbaugh leaves. Yeah, which I think if this has any legs, I think he's right. So I think I think like that's I don't I don't know about. I think that they are very, very, very uh, averse at this point to like postseason bans. Yeah, I think in the past, uh, like in the even in like the BCS era, you probably would have seen, oh, Michigan gets a bowl ban for this year. But with the playoff, I just don't think they're going to be willing to do that. Well, I think that's an interesting wrinkle, too, because this college football playoff and the Big Ten could independently levy their own punishments. Yes. Yeah, I think the Big Ten, the Big Ten, what they always say, and they always actually do, is they let the NCAA go first. Yeah. And but like if they, they think there's something above and beyond the NCAA, they'll do that themselves. But right. they let the NCAA go first. And they learned that was like that was a big Penn State uh thing from them was letting the NCAA yeah. go first. Which is fair. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, although I think that puts a lot more faith in the NCAA than I think it's warranted. I think but, it's a terrible choice. Like, I, yeah. I don't trust the NCAA to do anything right ever, but that, right. Is, that is their method. Yeah. But then, like, the college football playoff committee, like, I, I they've never really had to be in this situation, but Yeah, true. Like, they could, if they wanted to, levy some punishment. Yeah, I just—it's it's it's uncharted. It it's unch- it's like. uncharted territory. Yeah, for it to be because it's certainly nothing's happening this year. I think we can no. pretty much say that. Like nothing's happening yeah. this year, and so it goes into like, first of all, there's never been a 12-team playoff. So like, what? Like, oh, you you if you're one of the if you're number five, you don't get your game at home. Like, is that yeah. like what what levers do they have to pull? I have no idea. Right, I don't either. So I, it's just tough because I mean, if it if it's all true. Regardless of whether or not it should be legal, it was right. at the time. So they should be punished for it. Yeah. But I just uh, because it's kind of unprecedented in terms of what we it should just be. Yeah, I have no the, idea. The hater, the hater in me says death penalty. Oh well, get yeah, duh. But I don't know. I I would regardless, like honestly, regardless, I would n- I would just not be surprised if Harbaugh's just, just done 
at the end of this year. Like, I think yeah. he'll just be done. He might, yeah, he might, he might try to bolt for the NFL, which apparently yeah. would just be a no-brainer for some people. But yeah, um, I don't know why. Especially if he's cheated, and like this was his best years in college. Like, I've never considered him to be an overly good football coach. I, I think he's a good coach. I just think like it's like program program guy. Yeah, sure. If you want to give his his X's and O's some credit, sure. I don't even know if the see the X's and O's are what I don't think really need to get credit because like his offense, like his Terrible. offense is fine. Like at, at best with like the juice roster that he has right now is still just kind of fine. Like they're beating up on shitty programs, but yeah. It remains to be seen what they look like against the good competition that they'll be playing now. Like Penn State we'll and Ohio State, it's the only two good teams they play this year. It's two game. It's always a two game schedule. Yeah. So sometimes you get three games if Michigan State ends up being good, but for the most part, it's the for the most part against Penn State and Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, it's been a few years, but um, yeah, I think that's all we really need to say about Michigan right now without really knowing more. Yeah. Other than. As as haters, we're into this very much. Yes. So, all right. Well, I think it's time to move on. Uh, not going to do a week uh, preview for this week's game. Yeah, we're going to try to get that knocked out tomorrow. But I just wanted to give you the floor to talk a little bit about your team. So yeah, you're an Nittany Lions fan. Had a rough loss this past week. I guess I yeah. kind of just want to know your thoughts on the game and just on the state of the program in general. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's continues to be a weird time as a as a Penn State person. Uh, yeah. Again, as we just talked about in a playing a season that's two games, like that's just that's just what it is. You had six fun weeks of football that don't matter. They just don't mm-hmm. uh, when you come into this game, and we saw pretty quickly that. At least one half of the equation, or one third of the equation. Uh, I want to give special teams their their credit because they were actually great this game. One yeah. third of the equation was uh, just not ready, just not ready at all for the challenge. And it's weird because it it, it wasn't like a team that comes in and is super explosive and they're hallmark is throwing bombs and 50 yard runs and 60 yard passes and quick tempo and they come in and get slowed down and have to slog through they were a check down team that's what they've been Penn State is a team that's built for slogs yeah they were they were built for slogs and they came in and couldn't Ohio State basically said we'll slog like that's fine like let's go and I don't think it was what they expected and I don't think they were ready for it. And I don't think they made changes throughout the game to fix it. And it well, was honestly, just... like up to this year, Ohio state hasn't been that team either. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is true too. Uh, I mean, they've had a couple games good. where they've done it. So I mean, you can't really say that. Like I didn't know Ohio state was going to be this team because they've had a couple weeks of doing it at this point. Yeah. But last, but last year, I mean, Jim Knowles, great defensive coach. Last mm-hmm. year, their defense was not good. Yeah, straight up, straight up was not good. Yeah, this year, they've been a lot better, but they haven't been, they haven't been, like, 
they've given things up. Yeah. They haven't been totally shut down. And they were. They they were against Penn State. And Penn State was uh, a different a different offense than Notre Dame, which was committed to, you know, the run and had Hartman throwing the ball everywhere. Yeah, this is yeah. We I've I've spent enough airtime talking about my my issues with Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a different situation, and like Ohio State did just kind of put the clamps on them. Yeah, and and, and I mean, and, and made and made and made changes, right? So the game starts, and Penn State has some concepts in the run game that Ohio State isn't ready for. They bring mm-hmm. some really nice runs, don't score touchdowns. And second quarter, Ohio State says, we know what to do now. And they figured it out. Yeah. And that was basically it. They didn't have any other wrinkles. They didn't have any other adjustments to things outside of tendencies. And I think uh, a large part of that is the, well, two things. The interior of the offensive line was bad. Mm -hmm. Centers and guards were bad and gave pressure up the middle. And receivers were really bad and were not open, couldn't get open, weren't timing routes right, weren't running the correct routes. And it basically shut down every single thing that Penn State could or wanted to do. And they had no answer at any point of the game for those things, which sucks because you'd expect them to like, you don't expect them to be a dynamite offense because they haven't shown that they are or want to be, but they've done enough different things that you would expect them to be capable of changing it up at halftime and coming out with a better approach adjustments. Yeah. And they just didn't show any inclination to doing that. Right. And on the flip side of the ball, like it was pretty much just like the Marvin Harrison jr. Show. Like, yeah. And like, again, I'll, I'll be biased. Like, I don't think that there is a I don't you, you can make arguments for a couple of teams, but I don't think that you can make arguments that say that Penn State's defense isn't one of the top five in the country. Yes. Like they are dominant. And yeah, they, they have a very good defense. And they shut down everything that Ohio State wanted to do outside of crossers to Marvin Harrison. Yeah. And for some reason, same thing, like all day, dominant all day, they never could solve that play. Marvin Harrison from outside running across the formation, getting passed off between guys, ends up free 30 yards downfield. Yep. I mean, so if you let, if you let, like, if the plays that you let up are, oh, he's one on one and makes an, an incredible catch on a third and 15 on like a 50-50 ball, fine. He's going to do that to literally everybody because I think, he's the best, I think he's the best player in college football, and I think he's the best receiver in college football in like 15 years. I mean, very solid argument for, for that on both counts. And so, like, so he's going to get that. Like he's going he's gonna to get, gonna get those. But the fact that you let him be the guy who's going to run open – just blew my mind. Yeah, like like you said, it's one thing if he just gets his every once in a while, but he was just consistently open, and it felt like Manny Diaz was just not making the adjustments that he needed to to at least contain it. Right, and it was just, and it's like that one, I mean, frustrations with Mike Yersich aside, like Manny Diaz was winning 
Like his his unit was winning against Ohio yeah. State constantly. But he didn't do any like and they said before the game, after the game, like their goal was to know where Marvin Harrison Jr. was all the time. Yeah, and mean, it's, it's just one thing weird. to know where it's, he is, but Yeah, it's just weird to me that they didn't really they didn't go, you know, what you you'd sacrifice some things in that offense. You'd sacrifice Mayan Williams getting a ten yard run for covering Marvin Harrison over the middle. Yeah. I but, I think. I think you would. Well, it was like they knew where he was going, but then like didn't send anyone to do anything about it. Yeah. So just kind of tough. I mean, it was a tough loss. Obviously, yeah. it was a close game. Like, yes, it was kind of weird because like the score did and didn't reflect how close the game was. Yeah. Yeah, but, there was a there was a there was a you know strip six. 90-yard strip six that gets called back by a hold across the middle of the field that, like, yeah. Kyle, Kyle McCord's not even going to try to throw it there. Right. He's not even going to make an attempt if there's nobody in the pocket. But yeah. that calls back a 10-3 lead for Penn State and instead exactly. gets a, gets a you know, 10-3 lead for Ohio State. So yeah. what do you what do you do there? Like Exactly. It was a tough loss, obviously, but where are you finding yourself in terms of how you feel about this program overall? Yeah, it's it's another it's another really weird um, situation. There's like a very clear divide amongst fans, um, those who have continued, who think and thought and continue to think and will continue to think that James Franklin is a fraud, uh, is a terrible coach. Uh, and will never beat Ohio State or Michigan ever, and so should be fired. There's a group that think that he's fine, but he doesn't do enough with the resources he has, even though they acknowledge that he doesn't have the same resources that, like, the, quote, elite schools have. They Mm -hmm. still think that he should be beating Ohio State and Michigan more. Yeah, uh, and so they always say like, I don't think he should be fired, but he's not good enough, and we can't win with him. Yeah, and then there's the group that thinks, which is more my group, which is like, yeah, it would be great to beat Ohio State and Michigan more, but also they have a lot more resources than us, so no matter what, you're kind of at a disadvantage playing those two games. Yeah, doesn't necessarily change how you see season to season, game to game. Like we all thought. All of those groups had confidence going into Saturday that the game should be close. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, how the offense was before was during the game, that like they should be good enough to score points. And they weren't. And it's so, like, that's a problem. But it's not a, it's at least for me, not a problem that is like affects my opinion of the program overall. Yeah. I think there's still a top 10, top 12 program. I think they'll probably continue to be that. I think they'll probably continue, hopefully, to be a playoff team in the 12-team playoff because they match up well with a lot of those West Coast schools that are highly ranked and coming into the Big Ten, and they only have to play Ohio State or Michigan each year. So, like, I think they're in a good place, but they are not 
on the level of Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah. And they won't be on the level of Ohio State and Michigan without like structural institutional changes. Uh, and I just don't, I don't know how those happen. Yeah, it's a tough question. Obviously, you know, we're just fans. It's like we we know the ins and outs of the program or what the school right. is like or anything like that. Like we only know what we're given. So, right. yeah, it's a tough question. And I've seen a couple articles since the game that have kind of framed the question in an interesting way. I know Ari Wasserman's article in The Athletic was one of yep. them where he says, like, yeah. is James Franklin overrated or do we just need a different set of expectations for him? Right. Yeah, because it's, it's, he's been consistent in what he does. Like he, he doesn't win games against top ten teams. He's like three and sixteen in those games. A lot of those are against Ohio State or Michigan. Yep. But he takes care of business everywhere else. Yeah, it's kind of like and you know, as much as you'll probably hate the comparison, but that kind of framing of the discussion reminds me a lot of how people feel slash felt about Brian Kelly. Yeah. It, it, yes, and they're not. But, the same, they're not, not to say they're the same style of coach or anything. Like Franklin is a great recruiter, and Kelly is more laissez-faire on that front. So, like, I'm not saying that they're the same type of coach, even. But just in terms of like what you can expect from your program ceiling, yeah. yeah, and it's like my my thing has always been not as much. Like again, like it's more of the taking care of business everywhere else. Like the yeah. losses that I actually care so much more about are like the Michigan state losses. Yeah. And like those like Rutgers, right? Well, we, we never lose to Rutgers. Don't ever say that. Um, the day we lose to the day we put me down in quotes, the day we lose to Rutgers is the day that I say that James Franklin needs to be fired. All right. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. But, uh, um, but like, yeah, it's like those games where you lose to Ohio state and then the next week, you play Michigan State and you lose. And there's no reason you should lose. There's no reason you should lose that game. But he does. Yeah. And that's happened. And that's happened too much. And so like that's where I always think it's like, I don't know if it's overrated, just can't win big games. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know where he fits into that, but I do know that like there are certain aspects of like for some reason. James Franklin coach teams coming out of the bye, they're pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. Coming off of a loss, they're pretty terrible. And those things are a problem for me because those are the things that don't make sense. Yeah. Losing to Ohio State and Michigan. And again, Michigan, yes, we've lost twice in a row, but like he's basically even against Harbaugh. Right. Yeah. It's I Ohio mean, State. It's Ohio State that he's uh, one in nine against. Although, which it always you know, has two, been. It's always been right. Ohio State, like that's right. for even even for Michigan until two years ago. Like Ohio right. State was the boogeyman, right? And again, it's like you know he's one in nine. Well, one of those is COVID, and two of those they still are fifteen scholarships under the limit. So like, then you're looking at one in six. Like there's circumstances around it. You're still that... bad. Like it's still bad, but like I don't know. I, I don't. But I also don't. I I will never. I will never go into an, a game expecting to beat Ohio State. I just won't. There's yeah. just no reason to. It doesn't make sense. You shouldn't. You're ne you're never going to be that. Or I ended up, you're not you're not that right now. Yeah, I ended up suckering myself into thinking that before we played Ohio State, and I was almost right. I was so close to being right. God damn we, it. We, we were we so close to being right. 2017. We were up two scores in the fourth quarter. Lost. We've yeah. been 
we've been in one score under one score, like two one point games, three point games. Like we've played those games against Ohio State as a team with significantly less talent. He just doesn't win. But also really like in the game, like in the fourth quarter, you're like, oh, yeah, he should win this game. But before mm-hmm. the game, you're thinking, no, like he's not expected to win this game. Yeah, it'll be, be a close huge loss. Upset you can, if respectable he wins loss. This game. Yeah. And so it's really hard to, to to come back after the game and be like, well, before the game, I had no expectation for him to win. But then we were up in the fourth quarter, and so losing is Hurts now more. a disappointment. Yeah. And like he's bad and he's terrible. But like he was the first half. Out- and the first half of that statement is fine to feel like. Like, yeah, it's completely understandable to, like, be upset right. and disappointed by that loss in that, in that situation. But right. where it turns into – I mean, and this is just being fans being fans, calling him bad. Like, he's not a bad coach. Yeah. It's just – it's hard. It's hard It's hard to be a fan when you want to beat the good teams and you don't. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. And it's which, which I think, like, it's a two-part question, which I think Ari Wasserman pointed out, like – is Jim, James Franklin a really good coach? And then part two is, but can Penn State do better? And that's the that's that is a point that I feel very strongly on. You don't think so? I do not okay. think that there is a that there is a coach on his level, or even like the potential to be on his level, who won would take the job as is without changes to the, again, like institutional administration stuff. Mm-hmm. Two, would take that job to move to state college and be there long enough to make the program good. Yeah. Without using it as like a jumping, you know, sort to yeah. get to, you know, some other program that they like better. I mm-hmm. don't think that those guys exist. Yeah. I don't think that that guy is currently out there. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, Luke Fickle coming out of Cincinnati. Awesome. Penn State gets him. I think he does a great job with that program. I think he could turn it around. I think he would probably do a better job overall than James Franklin in the long, if he was there for 15 years. But, like, that would never happen. Like, he he would never do that. There's no scenario where he does that. Because after he's good enough for a few years, he's going to go to Ohio State. Yeah. And then where are you as a program? So it's like, where do, where do you where do you figure that out? Because it's like, I don't think that James Franklin has any need to go anywhere else. Like, I don't think true. he's, if they keep paying him, he'll keep doing this. And they keep giving him more resources, which he constantly asks for. Like, I think he'll keep doing it. I don't think he's going anywhere. He wants to win a national championship at Penn State. Like, that's his goal. Yeah. I don't think there's another guy out there who has that as their goal. I see what you're saying. What like, is no, like it's it's not it's not like like I mean, not to be like oh, you're so lucky, but like it's not like Notre Dame. Like a lot of there are a lot of coaches who would be happy to go to Notre Dame and build a program. In, yeah, it's a for destination. Five it, years or it, ten years. Like it's more of they a would be happy to job. do. That. Right, they'd be happy to do that. And so, like, yeah, you can constantly think like, oh, well, I'd rather have this guy. I'd rather have this guy, and it's realistic. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's just so unrealistic to be like, oh, there's a coach who's going to come for 10 years and figure it out. Like, they just don't exist for Penn State. Right. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Honestly, it's hard because I like I feel like it should be like, I think, oh, yeah, any coach would 
should come here. And like, this is a great place to be a coach, but like, what the fuck do I know? I'm a fan. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say. Like as an outside fan, like Penn state feels like more of a destination job than like 90% of schools out there. You it's the 10% and within that 10%, they're not the 2% and yeah. the coaches that the coaches that would be consistently long-term better than James Franklin are going to the 5% jobs and the 2% jobs and the 1% jobs. Yeah. And like, I, very obvious. Manny Diaz, day. like Manny Diaz, unbelievable defensive coordinator blew it. The only reason he's at Penn state is because he blew out at Miami. Yeah. It's the only reason. It's the only reason he's there. And as soon as somebody gives him a decent head coaching job, he's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can kind of say the same about Al Golden at Notre Dame too, though. Like Notre Dame has kind of slipped into, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call them slipping quite down into like where that Penn state tier is, because I do yeah. agree that it's a, it can be a destination job for a lot of coaches, but like Ryan Kelly just left, you know, yeah. Al Golden's only here because he was a linebackers coach in the NFL after blowing out it, you guessed it, Miami. Like, yeah. Al Golden, Penn State guy. He is the, uh, the, uh, the old, the old school Penn State people have wanted Al Golden to be Penn State's head coach since Joe Paterno died. Honestly, last season after the year was done, I would have told you to take him because I, for some reason, Notre Dame was very good last season outside of the red zone, but once teams got into the red zone, they were like a bottom Ted team in red zone defense. Yeah. It was insane. And those fucking double safety blitzes that he ran a couple times last season just felt like they directly lost us games. Right. But and like it's a good good defensive coordinator. Like mm -hmm. sorry, good good defensive coordinator, not elite, but like very good defensive coordinator. But oh, he's, I don't he's think he's going to be a better like, Right, he's I just don't think he's going to be a better head coach long term than James Franklin. So like no, why would no, you make that I would switch? Agree with that. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens with Golden. I think he is going to get a head coaching job somewhere or a D coordinator job in the NFL. And yeah. I'm curious to see what the what the plan is for him there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Penn State overall, like I think the prognosis on the program is still pretty damn good. Yes. But some some are just But could it be better? Like that that's right. the question. Are always could it be better and most of the people who think, oh, and, and who think it should be better, blame James Franklin. Yeah. That's the prevailing opinion of people who think we should be beating Ohio State and Michigan. They blame entirely James Franklin. Yeah. That sucks because I think he's a good coach. I just don't think that he's the best coach. Yeah, I would agree that he's like not, you know an elite coach or anything like that, but he's definitely a good coach. Like he's not someone right. that fans should be so willing to throw away. He knows enough and he knows enough to be intentionally hiring theoretically very good coordinators. Mm -hmm. But for some reason at the moment, Mike Yersich is not uh, performing up to the, the level I think we all wanted him to be. Yeah, and it's honestly kind of surprising because I know when Kelly left at Notre Dame and there were worries about, like, Reese leaving, like, there was a lot of talk about uh, trying to poach Yersich. Yeah. He was a big, he was a big name. It was a, it was a huge accomplishment getting him. He's an Ohio guy. Like, yeah. Huge accomplishment getting him, but maybe not. I don't know. I would like to see a little more from the offense. I, yeah, I completely understand. So I guess that'll bring me to another question. How do you feel about Allard? 
Oh, Druid. I heard one of the one of my friends has a, a Penn State podcast, and he actually had a really good point uh, in the aftermath of the game. Was like, one, like he's an Ohio guy. He's an Ohio kid. He grew up an Ohio State fan. Yeah. So he's going. So he's taking the game State. is what you're saying. Are you putting that on the record? He's, ta- he's, he's taking the game. The game. Uh, put it on the record. Put, put it on the record. <laughs> it was intentional. He's going into Ohio Stadium for one, his first ever big road start. He went to he played at Illinois and at Northwestern. So those were his two Big Ten road games. And he played one series at Purdue last year. So those were his big road games so it's yeah. his first major road game it's his first game in ohio stadium he's playing ohio state who is the best team that he's faced by an order of magnitude oh yeah a couple orders of with, magnitude, it feels like with i'm sure with i'm sure every person he ever knew in ohio in the stands mm-hmm. all of his family really all of against his him, a lot of his friends probably wanting ohio state to win and he comes into that game and he gets pressured early and his receivers don't make catches early. And I, I don't know, like, I don't blame, I'm not like mad at him, but like, he just wasn't up for it. Yeah. I don't think that's a reflection on his talent. Lights maybe just yet. a little too bright this early. Like, I just don't think he was up for, I don't think he had the, I don't think he had the fortitude to make it through that, to rebound yeah. from early things that he wasn't used to in an environment that he couldn't handle. And it's like, sure, is that a is that a problem? I don't know. Maybe it's the first one that's ever happened. Like maybe if it happens at well, home against Michigan, that's a bigger issue. Yeah, it's entirely too early. Probably even. But like. He has a, he I mean, the other thing that's a big thing currently in in the discourse is like he checks the ball down ex- almost exclusively. He goes through the reads. He wants to, he looks to throw it deep, yeah. but he doesn't risk the ball. And so he doesn't throw the ball into dangerous areas. And so he basically throws outs, comebacks and checkdowns. Yeah. That's kind of where that one reporter last week was like, kind of asked Franklin, like, do you guys tell him to throw it downfield? And Right. And it's like, they that, Yes, and you want literally the um the UMass game was the first game after that um was the first game after that comment like that was before the UMass game yeah and he the very first play of the game they had a max protect play action deep bomb called mm-hmm. and he drops back and he waits for a second and he rolls out and he throws it away and it's like yeah the, the literal only routes on that play where two was like one deep cross and one go. Yeah. And it's there and they called it and he didn't like it and he threw it away. And so it's like, I don't know, like I don't necessarily blame them for not scheming deep plays because they literally do. Yeah. And he just doesn't, he's not comfortable with them. So he doesn't take them. Maybe he gets more comfortable with them. Great. Maybe he just gets better at doing the ones that he does and hits them more consistently also probably fine right now like they don't necessarily need him to be doing that even against ohio state like there were some slants over the middle if he hits those they're big plays he didn't hit them yeah so it's i don't know like i really like him i really like the kid him being slow is a huge problem (laughs) but 
his arm is good enough to where we should be able to overcome that. Yeah. Right now, they're not. And a lot of that might just come with getting more game game reps too. Like you, you hope so. But yeah. it's also it's also hard. It goes back to the two game schedule. It's like, well, if really there's only one game in a season that matters mm-hmm. on the road, because you get Ohio State or Michigan at home. Yeah. If there's only one of those games that matters, and you're not ready for it, you don't have an opportunity to make up for it. No. Like there's nothing for for a lot of people, right? Like there's nothing that he can do over the next between now and the next time we play Ohio state for people to think he's good again. Cause they're like, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's Illinois. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's Indiana. It doesn't matter. It's Rutgers. It only matters if it's Ohio state. We well, only play them once a year. Yeah. Well, and so I- how does he go out and prove that he's made up for that? I just, I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of wait and see, and you hope he takes advantage of, of, you know, some openings in the in the games against the, the lesser teams and starts to prove people wrong. But I think there's going to be a lot of uh, criticism of him I agree. in the next and few weeks. I think that's kind of the difference between people that, like, watch film, though, and are box score watching. Like, like yeah. oh, it's a bad team. Like, it doesn't stop you from seeing tangible improvement. So yeah. I think as long as you actually see that this season, like, yeah, Penn State – I know a lot of people were pretty high on them this year. I wasn't necessarily as high as like calling them, you know, a playoff team or anything like that. I think right. they, I think they will be consistently with the twelve team playoff. But yeah, like it's it's a hard it's a hard division. Like it's, it's kind of the, yeah. that's kind of the fact of the matter. And like Michigan and Ohio State are some really good teams. This year, this year it was like you know their defense is going to be elite. We know their defense is elite. They have two incredible running backs, a five-star quarterback, and good tight ends. Mm-hmm. But the tight ends haven't been playing well. The running backs haven't been playing well. And the five-star quarterback isn't enough to make up for those things. Yeah. And so it's like, sure, the defense is playing elite, but you needed all of those things to happen to beat Ohio State, and yep. one of them happened. Their team, Ohio State, is one of the teams in the country that you need all three phases clicking. Yeah, and they can beat you without it. They can beat you with their offense and their de- with their defense playing great and their offense being fine as long as Marvin Harrison gets a fifty yard catch. They yep. can beat you with just their offense if their defense is giving up forty five points. Like they can do both. Mm-hmm. But which. To just, you can't you can't beat them if you're not doing everything. Yeah, the margin for error for ninety eight percent of the teams playing Ohio State is pretty fucking small. Yeah. So, yeah. I, speaking of playoffs, obviously, I I could have sworn the playoff rankings were coming out this week, but apparently they're next. I honestly, week. thought they were too. I thought they. I thought it was, came out I thought after it was week seven eight. weeks or yeah. eight weeks. Yeah, because it was a bye. Which yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh. Who do you think are going to be the top four teams? It doesn't have to be in any particular order. I'm just kind of curious on what your thoughts are on where these teams are going to line up. Because I, I've got like six teams that I could put in the top four in any combination. Yeah. I feel okay about it. It's such I, a good year I, for parity. It really is. I think you're going to get Ohio State, Florida State, Michigan, and Georgia. Hmm. Okay. And I think you could put in 
obviously Washington and Oklahoma. Yeah, those are kind of the six that feel like you could pretty easily make a case for being in the yeah. top four. I think pretty. I th- I think I am pretty confident that both Ohio State and Michigan will not get in. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely not. Not in the fourth. So I don't think long term. I think long term, you easily slide in one of those teams. But I think for now, they're both in. Yeah, they are. I mean, Ohio State has the better win this season so far. Michigan. Yep. I mean, pull inertia and like just to be frank, they have been kicking the shit out of the bad teams they've been playing. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you have a win over. Notre Dame and Penn State, like, you're better. Yeah, no, I, I would put Ohio State <laughs> over Michigan, like, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, Washington's a weird one, man, because I think this week, after this week is what's going to put them at, like, fifth, I think. Okay. Just yeah, I mean, I, I, a close, just, they just didn't look good against Arizona State. Like, I, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. So, I think that if they had, if they had blown out Arizona State – I feel like you could put them in over maybe like Florida State. Yeah. I think Florida State's going to be four, personally. I thought, So I think for me, if I'm putting them in order, I think it's going to be Georgia. I would put Ohio State over Michigan, but I think Michigan's going to be higher in the poll. Uh, it would be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State are going to be the top four. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like you said, one of those teams is going to fall out between Ohio State and Michigan. And, and I don't know, Georgia, Georgia hasn't played anybody, so. And they've had some, cl- like, that. I'm I'm not going to talk myself into Mizzou being the team that fucking does it. <laughs> but Georgia has looked somewhat vulnerable. They don't have Bowers. Yeah. And Mizzou's yeah. just been a good team this year. Like, they're a fucking good yeah. football team. But I don't mean, they have, they have three, they have three weeks in a row against good teams. Yeah. And it's, you don't you don't ever expect them to lose, but like expecting them to win all of those is also tough with outbounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even if you win all, out all of those, you probably end up. I guess you probably end up playing Bama or LSU. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be Bama. And so you know. Either way, so that's you, they have they have four good teams left on their schedule mm-hmm. after playing basically no really good teams. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Kentucky or Auburn, but I, I um, they're okay teams. I don't feel like Kentucky, especially. I just don't feel like it's a good team. Uh, Auburn, yeah. Auburn's got to fight. They've they've been pretty scrappy this season, but yeah. Yeah, they got Mizzou left. They've got, I mean, Florida and Tennessee. I don't know what to do with them. Ole Miss in there. Ole Miss is a good team, like, but they just got kind of stomped by Bama a little bit, like. Right. But without Bowers, like, that's a huge part of their offense. And like, obviously, they've got Lad McConkey, who is certainly one of the <laughs> college receivers of all time. But yeah, like, it's going to be big trying to figure out how they adjust. Their yeah. offense without him, especially playing against some of these good teams. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. So I'm trying to think of who else could even be in the conversation at this point. Like Texas is still in there, especially if they get to the Big Twelve game and they avenge their loss. Yeah, which I wouldn't. I would be. I would not be surprised. 
no. I still, I, I think they are going to, personally, but. So you, so, so we'll like, lo- we'll think about it long term. Like, what do you think ends up with Oklahoma? Like, so you think eleven and one Texas with a, or I guess twelve and one Texas Big Ten champion or Big Twelve champion gets in. It depends, man. Like, if there's, let's see, there could still be, there could still be four other undefeated teams that are conference champions. Like Washington, Washington winning out. Yeah, Washington winning out. Ohio State or Michigan, Florida State, and then Georgia. Like, they, they the might, Pac, is the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 championship divisions or is it just the two not best this teams? Year, no, it's I, the two best teams. So they'll play in theory Oregon again. Or Utah. Well, I guess depending on this week, yeah. Yeah, like, that's a big. That's a big. That's a big game. Yeah. So because like, I I would not I would same thing you're saying with Texas like I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon came back gets and revenge yeah. in their title game like I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Nope, not at all. Like Pac-12 is very good this year, which is fun. I love. Yeah. It. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, if those other teams went out though, like you can't put a one loss team in. Over yeah, undefeated, over an undefeated power five, but like, you just can't. That's true. Like so. I think, Flor- I think Florida. You have, two, I think you have two guarantees, right? I think you have Florida State guaranteed undefeated. Who did? I don't know, man. North Carolina. What the? The Heels defense is actually decent this year. That's the problem. Like they just had a dunk game know. against Virginia, but like, I, don't I don't think by the time you're, I don't think by the time you're undefeated, Florida State in the ACC championship that you're going to lose that game. Yeah, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I would be surpri- I would be surprised. Yeah, you Yeah, you have two locks. You have Georgia. I, I think Georgia's more of a lock than Florida State personally, but yeah, I would say there are, there are probably two locked teams in there somewhere between Georgia, Florida State and then the Big 10 winner. Yeah. Right. So it's just, yeah. I mean, it's this is gonna be some fun few, last few weeks of football, man. It's gonna, it's gonna go really well. Yeah, twelve team playoff would be. Uh, oh man, twelve team would playoff be pretty would pretty good this year. this year. Would be pretty good. I cannot and wait. I, I, it, it looked like when I was looking at some of like the the projected, it was gonna. It looked like uh, like Penn State at Texas. Jeez. I was like, Jesus Christ, that would be insane. That would be nuts. And then Air Force getting yeah. in there, man. Air, Air Force would be they could they could pull something off. They could be fun. Yeah. I think that's the fun thing about like the Falcons. I think that's the fun thing about the top four teams getting the first round by. Um, it's like I don't think a twelve seed or the twelfth best team in the country is gonna win a game or win the title game, you know? Yeah, they could very well beat number five, though. Yep. Like that's that's not out of the realm of possibility, and I think that's kind of the fun thing is that you will see those upsets, and who knows? Like, it's the number one team in the year is not always going to be just like a runaway favorite, like Georgia has been right. the past few years. Like, there's going to be years where you might not the number one team might not win it. Yeah. So I hope so. Yeah, I hope. So. I mean, I, I think like that, that is going to be the case, and I think. I think combined with NIL, this expanded playoff is probably going to help other programs in recruiting, like being able to say, hey, we can make a playoff by winning our conference. 
automatically, you know? So like you, there's, in theory, there's no reason a team can't win a national championship. Right. So I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be exciting. Like the, the realignment thing, I, I'm sure you agree. It just kind of fucking sucks how everything's going there, but the playoff expansion, I think is going to be really good for college football. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean, I did. I think realignment is temporary. Yeah, it always is. I it think always has been. So, but the the current iteration, I think, is is hard. Although I am very excited for my road trips the next five years out west because I think that's going to be fun as hell. Oh yeah, like, and that's the thing that you always <laughs> have to balance between like this really sucks for like, like can you imagine the fucking swimmers from like Cal? Oh, so, or, oh yeah having to go all the way across to the other side of the country just for a Thursday swim tournament. Like it is going to be awful for those sports. I really feel for those kids. Yep. It sucks a lot, but I would, I would hate, I would hate to be a D one, a D one non football, not a new sport person right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Except specifically for Penn state wrestling, which I think is the greatest program on earth. But like at the same time, these games are going to be awesome. Like that's the thing. Like you have to balance yeah. out the apprehension at what it's going to mean for college football with like just kind of being a sports fan and be like, these games are going to be sick. They're going to be really cool. They're going to be some really so, really fun games in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean it's going to be it's going to be a fun time to watch these games. But I'm I'm really looking forward to this coming week. Hopefully, we're able to get a preview uh, pod out tomorrow. But I appreciate you coming on, just kind of talking to me a little bit about Penn State. Like I know, obviously. You're a big fan, so I kind of wanted to get your perspective on what the season's been like for you and kind of what you feel about the program. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I hope that uh, all of our loyal listeners don't uh, run for the hills when they see that I'm on as the sole person <laughs> to talk about Penn State football this week. But uh, if you listen, I hope you, you, you took some stuff away from it and understand where I come from. Absolutely. No, we'll have to have you on more. Hopefully we can uh, – Hopefully work for that out a little bit better, but uh, yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be at Penn State, Michigan, November 11th. So who knows right. if we win that? Maybe I'll come back on and uh, live on Harbaugh. Do a live do a live react. I'll live stream from the field storming. How's that? There we go. That's that's what I like to hear. But all right, man. Well, yeah. Thank you for hopping on, and thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to like, share, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. Uh, find us on Twitter at TNT CFB pod. Uh, Charlie, you want to throw your socials out there for people to uh, hop on? Just simply at Charlie underscore Budney. All right. At Charlie underscore Budney on Twitter. Um, find our Discord server. Link is always going to be in the Twitter bio. We'll uh, we'll talk ball. We'll probably make fun of our ball a lot more than we did on this. But uh, in the meantime, don't tweet at recruits. Please don't. Don't do it. And don't uh, don't videotape the sidelines if you're at the games, please. Not without getting paid. Ooh, true. <laughs> All right, have a good one. Yeah.